there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Hey scaredy cats, welcome to some deformed something or other <laughs> On the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre the horror movie podcast where we sit down and watch a horror movie and then talk about it. Today, what are we watching, Chris? Uh, what are we watching, Siri? What do you think? Siri, so fucking help me. We are watching The Fun House by Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper. Yeah. Of uh, um, Texas Chainsaw fame. Our namesake. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made this right after Chainsaw and right before Poltergeist. Poltergeist yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Toby Hooper is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume we love all his movies. I think so. I mean, I haven't... What are his other movies? I can just think of Poltergeist and Chainsaw. Chainsaw. And Life Force, I really want to watch at one point. That's like a space vampire one. Ooh. Wouldn't say no to a space vampire. He also did the sequel to Texas Chainsaw. Fair enough. And um, Spontaneous Combustion. uh, Gin. Destiny Express. Night Terrors, The Mangler. I mean, there's a lot Ooh. of <laughs> The Mangler. There's a lot of Toby Hooper we don't know. I mean, yeah, a lot of okay. these, a lot of these titles don't really seem to come up too frequently. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, other than Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw, which obviously are those canon. are the yeah the two huge horror pillars. Yeah. from Toby Hooper. And then Wait, this that's, is this is the third one I think that I see the most on lists and brought up and talked about. The Fun House, and you see in the context of like a great horror movie or like a 80s practical effect fest i think yeah no I don't, i'm not sure about the practical effects i assume they're there it's 1981 I hope so um but yeah I, I see it just more as like a horror comedy slasher enjoyable i mean this movie was made by the studio um universal pictures and they wanted to make a teen horror movie after seeing how well friday the 13th did so they and were inspired by didn't? what studio yeah. didn't <laughs> yeah. exactly so this is their attempt to try to capture some of that audience that went and saw friday the 13th by having a bunch of teens mm. killed in some way so i think it's um not like in the horror canon for just being like an incredible scary movie but just like a fun enjoyable slasher i imagine with a mutated monster man hopefully yeah i think so i think that's what i'm getting from the log line all i'm getting is clowns oh yeah do you want to read the log line sure for the fun house it's four teenage friends spend the night in a carnival fun house and are stalked by a deformed man in a frankenstein mask you're right. So there's clearly one central antagonistic evil force. It seems that way. In a fun house. Chasing teenagers. I mean, dun, and dun, 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 dun. I want like a lot of delirious circus music. And weird mirror stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's got to be that's got to be a segment. I need to see someone eating cotton candy. Let's predict some more. What else okay. is going to what else is going to happen like at a circus? Uh like a sink sink the baddie in a uh water tank thing. Like a dump tank kind of deal. But it's like acid. No. Um, about you remember the gravitron? I always loved that as a kid. But that's the spinny yeah. thing. I think sometimes it's called a flying saucer. Yeah, uh, yeah. It presses you against the thing. Something like that, where they're crawling against the wall <laughs> to escape the guy. I love that he's his knife is up by his head. He can't like pull his knife off of the wall to yeah, like, stab yeah. them. <laughs> oh, just one of those simple, you know, those ones that go faster and faster backwards, and it's like in a circle, so it just kind of goes up and down. Like you're just sitting in a cart. Going just, backwards? Yeah. Sometimes it's backwards. Sometimes it's forward. But it's just you're in a cart and it's kind of going like a wave, wavy circle up and down that goes faster and faster. And it's, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So uh, something like that where he chains one of the teens up mm-hmm. in one of those things and then he's just letting him go faster and faster and he's like faking him yeah. out with the machete like, oh, not this time. Oh, not this time. Uh-huh. And then like an ultimate decapitation finally. A slash there. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, That's what I'd write. 
Like a, uh, discovering but, a body in like a popcorn tank. Like, why is this popcorn machine on? <laughs> they get closer, like, oh God, it's Fred. Fred dead in the popcorn machine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, are we going to be in the whole carnival or are we going to be mostly in this fun house? Um, so I guess, yeah, the fun house is one aspect of the carnival, yeah, right? I don't know if we'll get the whole experience. That's true. I was thinking carnival as a whole. So yeah, when so you hear fun house, you think, I think mirrors. mirrors. Um, yeah. what else is in a fun house? Ski ball. That sounds like a like a fun arcade, man. Maybe I don't know what a fun house is. I don't think it like. I mean, according to you, it's just about there's just a bunch of mirrors around. <laughs> well, okay, because that's also like a house of mirrors. Totally, what in the totally. fucking shit is a fun house? Now that I'm thinking about it, I've never been to a fun house. I, I just genuinely assume that it was just a circus as a whole, and fun house was just one part of it. But that they called the circus the fun house. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just understood the, it's movie the least as, creative, or like an umbrella term. Yeah, I don't know. Huh? Uh, yeah, because I can like. For me, a fun house is just something that's parodied in a, like a haunted house. You know, like I've, I don't know what the not creepy version of a fun house is. Hmm. Is there a not creepy version? I don't know. Because I think like fun, like I think of the mirrors because what they, they make you look weird. And that's one of the fun things you do in the house. Oh, you look strange. I thought you meant like um, one of those hall of like those mazes. Oh, like those infinity all... mirror kind yeah. of. Yeah. No, no. Like a weird like makes you short and weird wobbly kind right, of mirrors right. like that. I can see that being in a fun house. Um, like things jumping out of you. But then they all like it all makes me think of like scary things when I think of a fun house. I right. Know. You don't think of it like genuinely. I don't know what the attr- like the attraction of a fun house whenever that came to be. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Now that we're talking about it out loud. Well, probably because you didn't live in like, I don't know, the 30s, 40s, yeah, when the, these things were genuinely understood as a good time. The depression, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when looking at a mirror that didn't pass inspection was a good time. Is written by Lawrence J. Block, who did a live action version of Captain America in 1990, before the MCU. Oh. There's a Captain America from 1990. Who knew? I did not. And that's all they ever wrote, so... <laughs> Clearly wasn't great. They wrote Captain America and then, and then Funhouse. <laughs> no, the career died. Oh, yeah. Well, they might have. I think Lawrence J. Block is still alive and well. Hmm. So wrote Captain America. And wrote Funhouse. The Funhouse. Then wrote The Funhouse. But The Funhouse just seems like it's such a like an, like an a cash job for Toby Hooper. You know what I mean? Like, it's a big studio. They're like, we just want to do this horror movie. You've done Texas Chainsaw. Just do, here's an easy script or whatever. But, 14's getting killed. But this is early, right? This is after Texas Chainsaw, but before Poltergeist. So, so Spielberg would have seen this and said, this guy needs to direct. Yeah. That, that's or, what I'm thinking. Like this is right in the pivotal, like career moments of Toby Hooper. Totally. Pivotal moments for casting him in. Yeah. Poly- for, yeah. Yeah. For him getting the next project that yeah. was much bigger and becomes a huge cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It, like, um, or, or <laughs> did Universal just hire him and he just did exactly what Universal said. So Steven Spielberg was like, Oh, Toby Hooper, I can just bring him on my set and I can still direct it all. And then I won't yeah. have to worry about the DGA. Yeah, or or did Spielberg kind of get the concept of, you know, the the Friday the 13th cash grab and disregarded this Toby Hooper movie and referred to Texas Chainsaw for yeah, that's, I, that's probably more likely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be more likely than this being amazing to impress Spielberg for Spielberg to say, well, but we should be open to that. I I'm hoping to be surprised with that. Well, at the very least he would have been dissuaded if it was terrible, right? There like we if, go. If yeah, you yeah. saw Toby Hooper did a shit job on this teen horror movie, mm-hmm. then he wouldn't have trusted him with his precious. Yeah, he does. Poltergeist. He does Texas chainsaw massacre. Yeah. And everyone's like, wow, Toby Hooper. 
get him in to do our Friday the 13th ripoff. Mm-hmm. And then he does like a really bad job. They're like, what next for this hero? <laughs> He's going to direct a Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess he, there's only a certain level thinking of it in these terms that he can fuck up. Exactly. You know, there's only a certain level of badness that this movie can achieve unless Spielberg straight up like, you know, covered his eyes and looked to the side when it came out. And he's like, no, no, no. Texas Chainsaw, great movie. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> oh, you had a movie that came out last year? And then halfway into filming Poltergeist, watch yeah. Funhouse. And he's like, my God, <laughs> I've got to get in there and direct it. <laughs> and that's yeah. the reason why. So now we've come up with four possible narratives yeah. of the relationship between Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper. All right. And one more. <laughs> okay. Number five. Let's hear it. So Spielberg's personal Funhouse. <laughs> This is going to be the best one yet. I don't, I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> oh, you can't just start world building like that and abandon it. It's like opening Minecraft. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, it's lush. It's vast. Better it's, go to bed. Uh, I'm done here. Got school tomorrow. <laughs> uh, this Dave and Christery. This, this Dave and Christery. We watched The Beyond by Fulci. Oh, shit. Yeah. Man. And that was a weird one. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> see two weeks ago <laughs> Dave's complaining about that from beyond the beyond the beyond the beyond okay. a different beyond yes I will be talking about from beyond later great <laughs> disregard that uh, the beyond full two we got um, she's got the crazy eyes um, she there was like that incredible sequence in the room where you had the four ghouls like standing in the corners it was like kind of an above oh, shot yeah, that I really yeah, remember yeah, yeah. being a standout Oh, man. Okay, so I remember that. There's like a dog and a blind person on a dock. Remember? And then they're in a painting at the end. <laughs> Clearly, Dude, we don't recall this much. No. The So the the beyond... This time last year, I was yeah. messed up. I don't remember this. There's like... Yeah. I remember I'm, the poster. <laughs> I was and don't you remember the beyond was the one that had that final sequence um, in the hospital that was totally uncalled for. With like it was essentially a oh, zombie movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and yeah, yeah. Remember we were laughing about how he had like a single yeah, yeah. pistol that had like seemingly seven hundred bullets, and they just kept those, firing all those zombies. And then he had the set, the set of like hell, but only from the one angle, one direction. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because they end up in that in the beyond in the for some reason, <laughs> which is the painting thing. Yeah, because there's a okay. painter that painted that area but, of the beyond it has some connection to it yeah this one clearly stuck in our memory like worse than any other <laughs> i'm remembering the little <laughs> like jokes that we had in the recording but like totally. actually watching the movie i can see that set piece i remember that was a great yeah that looked and good just, do you remember her like her eyes her whited out yeah, eyes yeah, yeah. and because she is blind and I, she's blind for a reason and and for some reason, there is like a crossing over into the world of the dead. I feel like there's an entry through a basement or something like that. Isn't there always? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we need to rewatch the beyond, I guess, or maybe we don't. Maybe it's lack of. Well, memory. yeah. In in um, this segment, mm-hmm. we go well, what we remember of it. We've nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going cold and you didn't help me, nothing is what I remember. Do wow. I want to watch it again today? no i i kind of do because people really praise it highly i think maybe i went in with way higher expectations because i had just done that art crazy argento binge Mm -hmm. and i had a very set idea in my mind of what italian horror would be and this was slightly different slightly more esoteric and okay uh atmospheric i guess but i remember there were just elements and scenes that i really liked but as a whole i did not think it worked 
And especially that uncalled for zombie scene, which we've talked about this off mic. Yeah. We learned after the fact was a result of the studio being like, we need a zombie sequence. People love zombies right now. Yeah. This is the only way we can sell this in the theater. So the director, ha- Fulgi, had to like add that whole scene in the hospital yeah. where he's just hunting zombies for no reason. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, and like it we were ripping on that scene because they would shoot the zombies like three times in the, ch- in the body oh, and, yeah. and in the head yes. every time. And he just ran out of bullets uh-huh. after killing three of them or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and he would never learn that. He didn't go learn head first. Yeah. He, just, he didn't even try it. Nothing. He just did it. And it seemed like now that uh, now that we learn a little more about like, yeah, studio pressure to do that stupid sequence. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's just to fill time. Like, yeah, it's just asinine. Yep. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I guess I academically could rewatch it just to, because right now I can say that I've watched it, but I remember very little. Maybe it was a heavy drinking day. I don't know, but it, it clearly was not that memorable. Like it would have, mm-hmm. if we, if we liked it more then it would have made more of an impression. And this is only 12 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this time about 12 months ago, memory is foggy. So I don't know exactly what was happening. But memory from a week ago is much more sharp. So let's <laughs> move on to. So this week for Scare and Tell, I watched a movie called The Banshee Chapter. Okay, I've heard I've heard of this one. Banshee Chapter. I think mm-hmm. it has different names. It's a found footage? Yes. And I wanted to ask you a question because it was strange. Do you know of any found footage movies? And I'm sure you can think of something, but um, that don't justify the found footage. They don't have a story reason for it happening. So you're literally just watching the footage the whole time? And- yeah. Wait, was, or or you're watching like just handy cam, like a found footage style, but like you're not really to believe that there's a cameraman. Like there's, so you don't know who's holding the camera, what they're doing. Yeah, it's almost just the style. Um, Can you think of anything like that? Yeah, there's one movie that Adam Rifkin did. Um, I forget what it's called, but the whole movie is just, and maybe this already breaks what you're asking, but the whole movie is just security cam footage. The whole time? Because that, that would justify it right there, is the fact that it's a security camera. That's why the camera's there. That's why the camera's recording. Right. But there's no other narrative that... Like, you've seen a few, like, separate incidents, but there's nothing, like, overall that's showing you who the security guards are, why they have this footage. You just handed the footage. Okay. Fair. Even in that circumstance, because that's, like, if we really zoom out, that's what found footage can be, is, mm-hmm. like, you're just watching footage that you found. Yeah. You know? And if there's very little justification, but like you see somebody like turn the camera around on themselves or you see their hand or you hear them talking or the camera was at a gas station for security purposes, but something happened of note. So that's why you're watching it. Yeah. That that alone is context, even if it's super loose. Fair. As far as I can tell in uh, Banshee chapter, there's no reason other than style. And and I've, I was like watching in moments. I'm like, did I just miss something? Am I forgetting something? Because this is definitively like handheld found footage like um but then there's scenes where there are only two characters Mm -hmm. for sure and there's been just like an explosion and they're both rattled and the camera's just watching them in like a little room like and they're not talking to the person who's holding the camera no but this seems like there's kind of moments like where someone's like sitting in the back seat and it's just going between the driver and the the person in the front seat just held that's so bizarre it's strange and and yeah i my brain was constantly telling me like who is holding the camera what's going on why are they being filmed um, why don't like why do they seem half aware of it? But it was know? clearly meant to be 
found footage? Like it was clearly like a camera well, turning on. Well, I, I, I don't know now that mm. I'm reflecting on it because like I said, you just kind of take it for granted at first. It was definitively just held by a person. Right. Um, it, like, you know, almost like Cloverfield style. There's lots of points where like it just looks away for a second. It's not just like a really, really lo-fi you know, this is how we're going to stage a shot. Instead of a tripod, it's going to be a person. No, yeah, that just seems like it's a total, like you said, a style choice. Yeah, like, yeah. They, let's film this on handheld. Yeah. And just do all the scenes that way. Yeah. Like, or that'd be so strange. Just to... Yeah, somebody like, I can't think of a reason why somebody would be filming this or I can't justify this one scene mm-hmm. with found footage. Like, I, who would be looking, the camera wouldn't be looking that way. But it's still a coherent story all the way through. It's just yes. shot on handheld. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Basically. So, I mean, that could be a factor into the fact that it's a low budget movie. But basically, the story is um, that it's like MK Ultra drug, um, mm-hmm. like this government drug um, that's supposed to be for mind control or whatever. Um, some guy, ex soldier, something like that, gets a hold of it. And, like, um, in that moment, the found footage is explained. Um, so I guess that's that's where you can get the first trace of it is some guy is filming his friend mm-hmm. um, taking the MK Ultra to see what happens. So in that scene, in that least. opening, you get that and she sees that tape and that's where found footage up. But the style continues for the rest of it. And there's theoretically nobody filming her. Huh. Um, so, yeah, this guy takes the MK Ultra and um, which is also a strain of weed. Mm-hmm. Famously, <laughs> a, stra- uh, a strain of weed. Um, but yeah, where that strain comes from is basically MKUltra is supposed to be like, fuck your brain up. It's supposed to roast your brain because it's a, a government mind control. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, like a seventies experimental. Yeah, yeah. So they've really taken it far on this one. And, um, what it's doing is it's whenever somebody takes it after a few minutes, like they get scared, lights start to go out and stuff. And, um, they say they're coming, they're coming, and another thing. The people who take the drug? Yeah, the people who have taken it, like, they seem normal, but then all of a sudden, like, lights start flickering and stuff, they're like, they're coming, they're mm. here, and they're, like, screaming and shit, like, they want to wear us, and that's sort of, like, the what? exposition you get. Yeah, and so it's it, people who take the drug, um, theoretically, there are these entities that take over their bodies to wear them. I see. And the drug makes you conscious of this. Um, like, cause just, different people who take the to, drug say the same thing. Kind of. Yeah. So the story goes from there exactly how the logic, I would have to just spoil the shit out of it to like, say that. Do, well, is it, do you think this is worth us? My time? Episode? Um, were you watching it? Uh, God, no, I don't think so. So I will, um, do it. Yeah. What it is, is actually you learn that the government got some sort of like through opening something. I don't remember the exact origin, but they got, um, the formula for this thing from some otherworldly like mm. number station, you know, so they made it because this, these entities gave it to them to make, and then they tested it on people. I and see. that's how the entities got into the world. Huh. Basically it acts as a beacon for them to take you and wear you. Pretty, pretty dumb move on the government's part. Like pretty stupid, <laughs> different alien force is kind of giving you these kind of pills and you think it's like an altruistic thing. That's going to be somehow to your advantage. Yeah. Come on. What's the one where, um, they have to, the number station sends something and it's like instruct blueprints for a machine. Oh, contact contact. Yeah. I love that movie. Me too. That's a better interstellar. Yeah, yeah. They're like the same, like if basically those two yeah. are like parallel plots, it's crazy. I, I love the one part in that movie though, where, um, they're, machine gets destroyed mm-hmm. by like terrorism or whatever yeah gary Busey's son whatever his name is the creepy guy he's got like the yeah. white hair and the yeah and, yeah and then uh they just go like 
Yeah, the Chinese are building one too, so we got that one. I know. <laughs> It's, it's like the, the most funniest. insane, convenient of plot. I mean, so it's, nuts. It's like the Geostorm. Like we have to kidnap the president. Yeah. It's just because it, it's devastating. Like oh, they invested all this time. Yeah. We saw montages. They built it and everything. Like oh, there's another one in China. No big deal. Yeah. And then just fly over there. Yeah. <laughs> They're just looking at the wreckage. Like hmm, guess we'll have to use the backup one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there was a backup one. <laughs> yeah. But that movie's very exciting the way it all. Yeah. That one's great. And comes together. So, um, it's no Banshee chapter. No, it's no Banshee chapter. So it, I would describe Banshee chapter then like the story is fun to follow along mm-hmm. when you realize what it is. But yeah, um, it's a jump scare movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think why it's the found footage style remains is because that's, that's where the inspiration started. That's the movie they wanted to make a found footage Right. Um, movie and all the jump scares are just typical you know just there's a little window that's obscured and as they lean down and the camera follows a face presses against yeah. it you know it's don't don't bother we we're we're done yeah. like we we've even yeah. like even recent movies that we've seen have done better ways of creating more original jump scares like even i think the quiet yeah. place is like a big movie mm-hmm. with a big release and the jump scares weren't as predictable as yeah face in the wind just those kind yeah. of just you know it's going and yeah. like i'm i know it's just something that people are always going to do forever and it doesn't matter where it started and who did it first but like the camera pan and someone's behind you or right in front of you but yeah. you just couldn't see them because where the camera was they do a lot of that stuff and admittedly um some of the effects of the the entities wearing people Ooh. pretty good yeah I'd like fun. to see to some of those screenshots, maybe. There's, yeah, there's in the final in the final act. There's a great like she's in this facility, just running down hallways. Half the lights are on, and that sounds a, fun. There's a few panning moments where you see like this what looks like a creature. You find out it's actually a thing wearing a human, wearing the guy who from the beginning. Ah, yeah, it's it's okay, it, but I mean overall, I don't think it's I don't think Not it's worth that great. It? No, it's disjointed. They they try to do a lot of stuff. Um, I can only put the story together because I watched about 45 minutes of it mm-hmm. and then stopped. I'm like, this isn't that good. Yeah. I'm sure the last, like the last part will be pretty good, but I stopped. And then when I went back to it, like a day later, I'm like, I don't remember the buildup. So I started it again. Wow. Yeah. And just cause I mean, if I'm going to talk about it, I want to know. You want to, you yeah. want to get the facts down. So I watched it again from the beginning and that really helped watching the setup twice really, mm. really helped at least for me to understand, but going through it once it's fucking nonsense and it's jump scares. Yeah. Like I, I have heard that name a bunch, but not lately I feel. So maybe it was something that people were somewhat excited about at the mm. time when it came out and then over time it's just kind of disappearing a little bit more. Yeah. And this is, this is another one of those like probably why people don't, don't like found footage. Mm. Because I don't see the reason for it in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, we lived through it. I think we're on the other end of it now, but we lived through the, just the mass marketing yeah. and creation of found footage movies. Mm-hmm. And now we can reflectively like identify, you know, a good, even like probably a half dozen to a dozen of ones that are so solid and the rest yeah. are just going to, they're just not going to last. They can't keep up to yeah. that quality. Yeah. So this is me just continuing the work of trying to filter, filter out the good from the bad, you know, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> said that multiple times today (laughs) (laughs) i think on the other episode so i think we're okay (laughs) that's phrase (laughs) phrase of the day but stretch across two episodes classic catchphrase uh so for scare and tell this week i watched a movie called the lord's work (laughs) (laughs) that's why it's in your head so much i watched a movie called ghost land sorry you want to add yeah go for it cut everything you just said um 
why I was talking about From Beyond earlier is mm-hmm. because that is um, an H.P. Lovecraft story that was made into a movie, and both of those stories um, were inspirations for Banshee Chapter. Uh, so oh, wait. The, so, so there's an H.P. Lovecraft story called From Beyond. And this was a movie. And then they, they made a movie about yeah. it, right? Which we're, we want to watch. Yeah. Um, probably for this podcast. Um, and then this movie was inspired both by the original story and the movie adaptation. Yes, because I think the movie adaptation is is close or, you know, okay. went in a story direction that the filmmakers of this one liked. I wonder if then that's a bit of a spoiler for From Beyond because I have, like, some of the images I've seen about From Beyond kind of imply people wearing people. <laughs> so, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll check that out. Could be. Yeah. Still worth it, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. All right. So for my scare and tell, I watched a movie called Ghostland, also known as Incident in Ghostland, which came out this year. It's a 2018 movie. Okay. And it's the latest from Pascal Logier, who we know as the writer-director of Martyrs. Okay. So this is the latest movie from our Martyrs buddy. A 2018. It might be 2017. Okay, okay. But I'm pretty sure it's this year. Maybe it was like a festival at a festival last year or something. I'm intrigued, Chris Vandenberg. So the setup is it's two teenage girls and their mom are going to spend the summer at like a great aunt's house that isn't living there anymore. And it's just a place that they can go and be and hang out, get out of the city. I think there's some impetus. Like, I don't know if the mom was trying to write or she couldn't afford a home or something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, they're on their way there and they see some creepy people in another vehicle, a giant candy truck on the highway that's like making kind of weird signals at them or whatever, whatever. They leave them. They go into this house. They start unpacking their things. And then that candy truck shows up and it's got like this giant burly dude and kind of a smaller, older woman. By that, I mean like just a middle-aged woman. And they come Mm -hmm. in and they start just like attacking attacking the family, attacking the two teenage girls and the mom. But the girl, they fight back and they manage to kill them and get out of there and move on with their lives. That's kind of the opening to the movie. But then we cut to the future where one of the daughters is a successful author and she has written a bunch of horror movies and she's just talking about her latest or she's written a bunch of horror books and she's doing a book tour for her latest horror book, which is talking about that incident that when she was a kid with her sister and her mom and at the same time it's becoming clear that her sister never recovered from this incident and she it kind of made her go crazy when she was a teenager it's making me feel like the beginning of martyrs with the two girls totally i mean the parallels are crazy yeah we'll get to that but the so the the mom is clearly taking care of the other daughter who's now also an adult and she's kind of a little nuts and they while she the one daughter is selling a book based on the incident the mom and the other daughter are also going back to that house because they've tried everything and they think this might be a way to deal with the trauma by going back to therapy yeah as a method of therapy let's go back to that house where it's happening okay so the one daughter is like celebrating like the release of one of her books she's at this big party and then she gets a call from her other sister and her other sister is freaking out and being like you need to come you need to come back to the house please like get back here it's happening again like you got to get here and then she calls her mom and she's like, yeah, my sister called me. Like, what's what's happening over there? She's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And she's like, no, I'm going to come. I think something's wrong. And then the sister goes back to the house to meet her and her mom. And then things kind of kick off from there. Um, it's a lot of two two women getting the shit beat out of them. Just like in... Like Martyrs? In Mar- There's a lot of that. Um, 
and there's like a few aesthetically interesting creepy things like it's a the house that is the great aunt's house where all this takes place has like a ton of dolls with like cracked faces and weird shit Mm -hmm. and a lot of weird kind of contraptions that things pop out of that is somewhat enjoyable to watch but overall i don't think i would like this movie much um as a whole if it wasn't for this great turn that happens about 40 minutes in where the whole thing kind of shifts and you're oh, like, that doesn't sound oh, familiar. This is happening. Yeah. It is exactly like murders <laughs> in that, like a big kind of shift happens, but where that shift kind of continues the narrative, this shift kind of flips the narrative. And I don't really want to spoil it for you. Cause I would be curious, like as a whole, I wouldn't like it if it wasn't for this particular concept that the movie uses and something interesting that it does. Sure. But that kind of makes the movie worth it for me overall. All it, right. it kind of redeems because otherwise it would just be the story of two women getting the shit beat out of them by sure. two bad people. But because it has this other cool concept that is directing the whole movie, I do overall, I do enjoy it. Saved by the twist. Sa- saved by the twist. I'd say okay. yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Huh. That, that sounds just because of how effective the storytelling of martyrs and yeah. the reveal that we got reveal slash turning of the story totally was so jarring and mm-hmm. so memorable that i mean i'm so intrigued like what do you think for me that's it's so much more watchable than like and there's still like some brutal violence against women that happens in this movie and scenes that are very hard to watch mm. but it's like a disney movie compared to martyrs still great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i'm pretty interested i might check that one out specifically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, there's other Sweet. movies that are similar too, but I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna go there. Yeah, I don't, don't want to spoil me. it. I, I can't, yeah. Knowing, there's kind of nothing better than knowing that there's a fucking huge twist and something coming. Yeah. Well, I don't want to overhype it too much well, and be like, it's a, but yeah, there is, there's the, a very interesting shift yeah. that happens. Yeah. Not necessarily that the twist itself is going to like, you know, knock the socks off my hands, mm-hmm. but that it's going to change what's happening so much. I love that. I love when you just get a, a key or a legend that, you know, you hold it up to the light and they're like, no, I had this all wrong. Great. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, and this, this thing that happens isn't something that like it snaps and then it's kind of over. Like it's something that kind of continues and makes it hmm. exciting. You're excited to see, Oh, what does now this thing imply for where the story goes from oh, here? Cool, cool. So it does like, I, I kept watching it. Whereas if, if that thing didn't happen, I was almost on the verge of turning it off. And then it happened. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then that got me. And I was, I was interested in the rest of the movie. Oh, wow. So, I mean, they're, they and were some, riding the Chris line there yeah, for yeah, like yeah. getting you to turn it off. It's like, and, and then just 15 minutes later, we're going to have this bit, this twist. He's like, no, 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 no. So we're going to need that earlier. We're going to put that just a little <laughs> bit earlier. Servia so says, Chris will turn off a movie <laughs> at this point. So let's introduce this one minute before that. <laughs> yeah, we got a, we got the shutter statistics back. <laughs> Usually stops at about this point. Yeah. No, check it out. I, I'm definitely going to check that one out. That Great. Cool. Yeah, I am really curious to see see what you take. And this, I feel like I've dangled it mm-hmm. as a nice little carrot. Yeah, now. that's a good one. Because you got to be like, what, what could it be? What's going to happen? Yeah, Sweet. and people are very mixed on it. Like some people are just like, mm. "This is this is shit." Like, there's nothing good here. Other people love it, and I think I'm right in the higher middle of that of okay. that spectrum. My my brain tells me I'm gonna love it. I think if I have to rank like 20 horror movies of the year, it would be on the list. Okay. If I have to do 10, I don't know if it would make it. Okay. Yeah. I wonder what. So I I definitely must see it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's, if there's, if there's, there's a chance that it's like gonna be near the top for me, I should probably see it soon. Cool, it, cool, cool, cool. Just get ready somewhat for a lot of women getting the shit beat up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll start in f- the middle. <laughs> <laughs> on that fun note, yeah. let's go to the fun house. Let's do it, man. Have some fun.
Oh, it should have been hard to watch that movie house. <laughs> Holy, what a shit house. The shit house. The shittiest house. Well, at least we learned what happened to that kid from Phenomena. I guess so. That's him. <laughs> that, wait. Didn't you bring the, that kid to mind? No. You know the kid, remember in Phenomena, the, the like mutant kid in the basement? Who like has the drooling oh, thing? Oh yeah, that's him all grown up. He grew up. He grew up. Did he even get killed in Phenomena? I think he probably did. He probably Didn't he drown in the horrible pool? No, in the water in the lake afterwards. And oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jennifer Connelly just kind of chilled out in the boat for a bit and yeah. stared at the stars. Yeah, just had a good time in yeah. the boat after. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh huh. But this like the it looks so similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. some difference with the eyes, but I feel like the mouth and the color of the face. And they just they went for big on that prosthetic. It's huge. It's like inflated balloon. It's a lot. They made a massive prosthetic and then tried to fit it inside a mask. Yeah. <laughs> it was just weird at the beginning when he had that like Frankenstein, Frankenstein mask, mask on. on on top of it. Wait, are you saying that you think hmm. that he is the actor is wearing that full prosthetic underneath the Frankenstein mask for like all those earlier shots in the movie? And not no. just where they pull off? Okay, thank you. No. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm like, yeah, they ripped the mask off him and he was under it. So, yeah. But no, not in the earlier parts where he's Movie just magic. clowning around. I don't think so. And like that was an exciting moment because it was like, oh, there's something interesting going on behind the, the mask. The rise of <laughs> the phenomena kid. Rise of... Did this thing have a name? Sun? <laughs> they wanted to dehumanize it as much as possible, but... It was apparently yeah. human. Like, it was his son, and he yeah, had a mother. To, yes, to, like, <laughs> when she's, like, she yells at him, he's not even human. Uh-huh. He's like, Lord works in mysterious ways. Like, that's not a response. No, it's not. And it's, like, I like the idea of it being, like, a creature thing, but then I wish that the narrative was that they found it, and it's not, like, actually a human born with, yeah, yeah. you know, some kind of genetic defects. Yes, that may, like... When they're so symmetrical like that, like that mm. thing looked like the Predator. You know, mm. that had a lot in common with the Predator. Except like the Predator right. meets Einstein. Because it had like that kind of underbitey. Yeah. And just like massive, massive. Did you say head. meets Einstein? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hair was a nice, weird touch. It was like, so strange. Kind of balding and stringy. Balding, and... like, yeah, wispy white, yeah. old mathematician hair. Yep. And the most, that motherfucker was an overactor. Oh, man. That, I mean, I appreciated the physicality. I thought it was it added like a fun dimension to it. How much he just flailed his <laughs> limbs around and screamed like that high pitched screaming is very funny. I would I hated it just in that first fucking scene, or I guess the scene when he brings his dad back to show him the dead Zena. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He by the way, Zena. Just... There is a character in this movie named Zena. <laughs> it's spelled the same way, and I don't think I've ever seen the name Zena given to a character in any movie. No. No, I don't. You don't see a lot of Xena's. Not spelled with a Z. I no. mean, we have Xena Warrior Princess, of course. Yeah, well, that's different. Yeah, and not a horror movie. Yeah, correct. <laughs> but you were saying, uh, I don't know, <laughs> something about uh, the Einstein hair. Oh, at the when we first oh, saw oh, yeah, him, yeah. the screaming. So he brings his father in to show. I did it again, Dad. It is <laughs> like sort of like a mice and men kind of like situation. Totally. Um, except he just uh, assaults and kills women. Mm-hmm. Is what we're getting. Yeah, he, he wants to be intimate and freaks out when it doesn't go well and just slaughters. Yeah, and it, well, I thought he was, he was scared of his dad because he wanted the money back. He's scared that his dad's going to come back or something. Right. I don't know. But <laughs> when he brings his dad back, it just he's just like sitting in the corner like... <laughs> 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 and I, 
It's just like losing it. I'm like, fucking shut up for a second. Just like cut off his vocal track. Dad's trying to figure this out. Can you just like just take it down to like 20 notches? Oh my God. And then every time we saw him after that, he was just hooting and honking like a goose. Oh my God. Okay. Big Predator Einstein goose. Why have the little brother character... If, at all at all why even bother? <laughs> you're setting it up so nicely yeah he sees he sees the fun house he's going to enter gets caught busted sent home with the parents and then mm-hmm. that's done see, what is that he doesn't say anything no he just goes completely silent yeah. and just stares at the thing what did i'll tell you what that is man that makes it an hour and a half like that's all it did nothing you can, it's ridiculous and like, also like you, you half wrote it you set up so much <laughs> and then yeah. you didn't follow through like have the kid come in help save the day like why not do that you yeah. have him right there i'm i'm even cool with having the kid show up and giving us a cool side plot where we get to go around this carnival and see it through like a non-threatening perspective yeah. and yeah like get like little hints of here's the door with the chain that they can't see from the inside mm-hmm. there was such a great way to use that kid as a tool but just like you said, like he just walked around, wasted screen time as far as I'm concerned. Like I didn't learn anything new about anything. Ugh, it was and just, there's no point to him whatsoever. None. And and the opening scene, which just gratuitous shower scene, mm-hmm. whatever, like little brother runs in to his naked sister in the shower and like is wearing a mask and like she has to grab his arm to stop him from stabbing her with the fake knife. Uh-huh. Like that's just the weirdest, like... The one thing that I... I can somewhat appreciate about it is that they're trying to do a psycho tribute with that thing, that scene. Definitely. And even the way they're shooting it, because they're shooting it with those classic mm-hmm. downward stabs. Yep. And then the zoom in with the knife going down to the stomach to stab in. Yeah, that is exactly what happens in psycho, but it flops it. So that's like a nice little, and it kicked off for me when we were starting the movie that, Oh, this might be like a smarter slasher. I was hoping. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, there are like a few moments near the beginning where you think that's going to happen. But then it just, it totally fizzles out. Mm -hmm. But also with the brother, I guess what we're supposed to think, because they do that weird moment when he's staring and just completely mute, not saying a word, looking up, he recalls that his sister says, I'm going to get you back. Yeah. So I guess we're supposed to take away that, like, he assumes the sisters, this is a prank that his sister is pulling or something like that. Or that we're supposed to assume that he, the consequence of his sister's rage or wrath is why he doesn't speak up. He's like, I know they're here. I either followed them or she just said, when I'm done with the carnival tonight, I'm not taking you tomorrow or whatever yeah. stupid shit she said. So he knows they're there. He's like, he wa- asks the person giving tickets, like, have you mm-hmm. seen two couples, which is a stupid ass <laughs> thing to ask. Um, and then he's walking around. He's basically just looking for them. And for some reason, he gets like stuck on the fun house. Like, that's just. Yeah. Why is he drawn there? Is there maybe some sort of little folklore as the guy with glasses was telling them the story about the kids who had done this before, who had stayed in the night at the fun house. house. So So maybe the little brother also knows that story. Maybe that's the only thing I can think of. I'm guessing. I don't know. But he he gets stuck on that, the fun house of all places. And then, yeah, it seems like they were trying to say, like, why don't we speak up? Speak up. What happened, bud? You know, cat Mm -hmm. got your tongue. And then he has that flashback of just like the most visceral part of her threat. So it says to me that, you know, what he's remembering is that, like, I'm going to get my sister's wrath if I, you know, sell her out right now. Yeah, That's what I got, which is dumb. So dumb considering how ambitious he is 
like he doesn't consider that the rest of the movie. His mm-hmm. whole motivation for going after the circus, finding out what's going on, climb out the window, get a gun pointed at you on the street. Yeah. You know, people at that point he starts to go and like just the weird, like they just really lingered on him looking at the funhouse and yeah. shot as if he intuited something, but doesn't follow through mm-hmm. on it. And we never see the rest of the family again. They just drive off. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no conclusion. Like this movie tells you like, oh, all you really care about is the final girl kind of getting out and then you don't need any more narrative. Mm-hmm. That is the whole purpose of the story. It just, it was so frustratingly lazy yeah. that it didn't have any kind of conclusion. Like just some little scene to wrap up whatever they had, like yeah. with the little brother, reunite them, you know? Yeah, just some like he finally like gives them some hint. You it, know, it could have been bad. It could have been like whatever. They could they could have done something with that rather than just exactly like you said, laziness and just letting it fizzle and fall apart. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, another thing that you know fosters frustration in this movie is you almost don't see any kills. You know, like you he strangles the first woman with glo- weird gloves on, mm-hmm. and that's a that's not even a very fun sequence. It's just awkwardly super weird hand job overacting guy in a Frank Frankenstein's suit, <laughs> kind of boring strangling, and that's that. And then um, we, we get s- the hanging next. We get the hanging, so he just gets pulled, literally pulled off screen. Which I I kind of liked. I kind of liked that it's like carnage, lights are going off, flashing, and then out of nowhere this noose comes down around his neck and yanks him upwards. There's something exciting about that, but. You're right. You don't see, you don't get like that same kind of gratification. And even when he then comes back out in the little cart, yeah, we you don't see um, Buzz bring the axe down on him. You just hear a thump, and then we get the reveal shot of him. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, it almost seems dumb how he gets pulled up into the ceiling, and then immediately after she falls down a trap, like a trap door, like it's cartoony. And it's super cartoony. And then and- he walks over to her, like for that kill, mm-hmm. and he's just like, you know flailing his hands around that that kill is super boring i do also like the fake out of um bringing the guy around and axing just his dead friend yeah i like that but you're right that they don't we don't zoom in we don't get to see the knife enter like this i feel like this is a pg horror movie like they're trying to again like we said at the top they were trying to make money off the franchise or off the friday the 13th idea i imagine they're trying to get the widest audience possible for this okay so then we get like yeah, thinking about that. Then we see Buzz come out just like, you know, served on a platter by the clown or whatever yep. with no even obvious new blood stain on him. I, we don't know how he was killed. He was just dead. There's like There's like a bit of blood on his chest or his leg or something. It's on but... his belly from when um, he stabs Monster's dad on mm-hmm. the sword and then he's looking for keys on him and then the guy pulls him in and he gets and poked, he gets a little poked bit in, in the belly. Stomach. That's You're what right. that blood so was. We have no reason to believe that there's any kind of new injury on him when he's being yeah. served forward. <laughs> so theoretically, this is what my brain tells me is that there was another strangling that happened off screen, which frustrates me a lot because yeah. that's like the last big buff hero guy, like show me the fight, but they don't, they cut, she runs out of the room and we don't see what happens again. They totally do. And then similarly for the final kill of the monster, they tease you so goddamn much. We just keep having oh shots of God. those gears, probably like three minutes total of just looking at the gears and we're like, great. We are going to see these gears just eat him right up, tear into bone and flesh. Mm-hmm. And all we get is just him stuck, 
like in between the gears. He, we don't even get a physically like a physical a view kind, of no. the gears being in him. Nope. He just stood in between the two he's, things. Exactly. Yeah, he's standing there. <laughs> um, we were down in that like theoretically she retreats down there to get away, and this is like the underbelly of a lot of those animatronics or whatever, uh-huh. right? So you got these chains and little hooks going, which around is smart. In a That's where you naturally yeah. would end up at the end of a movie about mm-hmm. a funhouse. Great. Yeah, that's fine. No problem with that. But she falls in there, and basically what we have is a scene where she needs to quickly look for a place to hide. Mm -hmm. That's what we have. But she's down there for probably 19 minutes. Just She goes over to the door and pushes on it. Just completely stunned. Just, yeah, exactly stunned and, like, turns and screams at random things at, like, you know, the dangling piece of metal and, Mm -hmm. and, like, the the little vents of steam that are coming out. And then she screams at them all individually. And then even when he comes down and he's, like, electrocuted and on a hook. God damn. And then just hanging. So he's done. (laughs) This is her chance to go back up the vent, just get out of there, find some other way. Instead, she's stunned and, like, approaches and, like, stands in front of him. Mouth open. And then it's just kind of, like, screaming once he comes back to life like she's not making any effort to get the fuck out of there no it's it's pure luck almost that (laughs) she was able to survive this final encounter dude that last encounter was pure luck there was nothing that she did to make that happen yeah and like it was weird too because like um the way that he showed up finally after like an incredibly frustrating few minutes of just like looking at that dangling bit of metal that the way she came down looking at it <sighs> she screams she looks at it she screams she looks at it she screams she's like half hiding and then just a ladder drops beside her and he just walks down yeah which it- shows you that there's two ways that she could exit back the way she came through the vent or through this ladder oh but he did smash the ladder so maybe they thought that was the ladder accounting got, for it. I guess the ladder <laughs> got like smashed as he was being dragged around because yeah. he got electrocuted and then happened to like like. But it, still, that whole just everything about that sequence from the second she got down there, it should have been the climax of the movie, and it was just like among the most boring scenes in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right, Hor- horribly on. edited, like no effort put in to any kind of semblance of gore that would make oh, it no. exciting nothing we got like bullshit like the all the like i have already complained about all the kills were obscured or you know non-bloody or whatever whatever yeah. but when um the set the the girl gets killed and she's like obscured and he's just theoretically theoretically slashing her with his monster claws mm-hmm. we have this stupid shot from above him where his like hand Fingers. as yeah as he's like pulling back to deliver the slash we see the hand close to the camera with a little blood on it that's how goddamn lazy this the makeup effort was in here it's like they they put they put a great amount of effort into just the prosthetic in the face Mm -hmm. that looks great yep but any of the kills were just so lazily done we don't we don't even see her body at all it's like how do we how do we know she's dead oh just show the blood on the fingers and that's supposed to be enough it's just ridiculous Uh, yeah and then for after that final scene just the wrap-up of the movie is just her walking out the next morning Mm -hmm. looking kind of slightly dazed and then pan to the crane shot and even as the crane was going up i was thinking to myself like this better not be the last this better not be (laughs) it it can't be right it can't be i was yeah i was (laughs) conflicted there because i was like get on with it be done yeah but then i'm like you can't just end on nothing (sighs) yeah they did she's walking away i can see throughout the movie some good well set up shots not sequences not kills not nothing written intelligently but Mm -hmm. like some well orchestrated shots admittedly when the kid was walking on the 
at night walking up on the front of the the fun house like kind of looking for a way in yeah that slow shot panning um to the side so you can see the whole thing and then he climbs down and looks underneath i kind of like that i liked how patient that was i liked the colors i liked like um the horizontal lines that they had Hmm. i I thought it was a nice looking shot yeah i think when enjoyed the like light colors inside the fun house like that was great too i love the green they kept showing like this flood of green light Mm -hmm. that they kind of walked through and over yeah uh despite apparently needing a lighter to find your way around in that oh, place god <laughs> that's so stupid <laughs> that's um it, it reminds me of the criticism we had for um friday the 13th part three mm-hmm. where how no one had spatial awareness and you'd be looking directly at a victim or someone's right obvious to yeah. see right around a corner whatever it is that was frustrating um in this similarly one, here with y- the lighting yeah. Y- yeah similarly here with the lighting when you when just the when the dialogue just insults the audience like that, you know? Yeah. Basically, we were just, him lighting that lighter was in fully lit scenes was just asinine. And he, he, they didn't do, he wasn't even at the front of the pack all the time. Like, it was just a stupid, like, sometimes the actor remembered to do his little task yeah. and sometimes if he you didn't. Need, if you need a lighter or a match, it needs to be like The Conjuring, where this is literally all that we can that see has, as yeah. a viewer is what is lit by that flame. Yeah. Not standing in a room where like you said their shadows are being cast they're literally beside a giant light bulb and for some reason they still feel the need to hold up a lighter in front of their face as if they're in pitch darkness yeah it's just asinine and if you're not getting like cool kills if you're not getting a compelling story if you're not getting anything else to foster a good time those little things start to really really grate on your nerves they really do and you're totally right like just the more frustrating elements that kept coming up in this movie and then the lack of anything interesting happening (laughs) yeah man just made it like a slope downwards of an experience mm-hmm. like at the top. Okay. Even with the credits, they kept showing the animatronic dolls yeah, that yeah, were yeah. in the fun house. That was a bit of an exciting tease. You're like, where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. turns out pretty much nowhere. Um, even then the opening scene and the cool, like taking a picture and her kind of being, that was a little mysterious. Yeah, that weird. was too. Like she's looking in and looking behind her and like, Oh, I guess that was a Frankenstein face. Nothing really comes from that. And then like, a typical slasher setup in terms of you got a group the group of friends going into the situation but then just less and less and less until i was just straight up bored by yeah. the like one hour mark i was ready to excited for it. it to be over yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, promising start but just really does not pay off definitely and like um so like we were talking at the beginning like what are the situations here how did Spielberg throw this guy on mm. Poltergeist? And I think the one where he looked the other way was probably <laughs> the most viable out of all five of the right options. Right now? Yeah, that's all I can see. Well, that's Oof. why I wanted to give a little credit for like um, some of the shots. Even that crane shot at the end, while I didn't like mm-hmm. that that was the ending, I liked the morning after they're like getting set to start again. I liked that shot. You know, yeah. I, I did like... Um, the yeah, it's nice director of photography figures like just floating around in the circus just kind of doing yeah. their thing going about their business yeah. but like there's just such a huge amount of tension looming there that's unexplored and just ignored like the fact yeah. that there are bodies in that in that fun home that need to be discovered this needs to be some kind of resolution of her going to the cops telling her what's going on yeah i know in some movies you don't need that but this one really left <laughs> you in like this abyss that you just you needed some bit of plot to wrap things up and you didn't get it at all yeah well you just needed something Mm -hmm. you know at at every part of this movie it was missing something you know or everything and even like okay one thing that is insane too is that in this fun house that sword is like 
a real fucking blade, a real sharp blade. One of the knives that the other animatronic dolls hold is a real knife that is used to kill people. Axe. What are you talking about? Yeah. And these weapons are easily removed from yeah. the thing. Are you telling me that in this fair, people could just reach over and just grab like a real knife from one of these things? There were three weapons that we saw in any capacity. Mm-hmm. There was a knife, the axe, and the sword. Where was the axe? The axe was what... Uh, Yes, chopped in the head, right? Right, right, right. All three of those weapons that are theoretically in a funhouse were used as a killing, or not a killing blow, but the knife was stabbed into the back of the monster. The sword killed the dad, and the axe went into the head of the guy with the glasses. A little too ridiculous of a, uh, like to ask the audience to suspend their disbelief that these insane weapons (laughs) would be just readily available. It's something that you're not overly strapped in like you're just sitting in those chairs as you're going through like the uh the cop animatronic thing has a loaded handgun (laughs) (laughs) look at this (laughs) yeah just ridiculous Mm -hmm. there's a gun that showed up and it was used in a like belly to belly standoff yeah all of the we got a schrodinger stab with the gun Uh because they're staring at each other we don't know who's shooting who there we go and all the rounds went into the dad that was that Mm -hmm. that was just Another... He really easily got that gun out of his hand too. Like it seemed like he was at a distance, and then just mm-hmm. at one point he was able to just knock it out. Like I didn't really believe the physicality of their fight. Nope, never, yeah. not at any point. Because <laughs> <laughs> and this is like a jacked young dude and like an That's... old lazy dude who's not strengthening his arm muscles at all. He's just holding a little microphone all day, going like, "This is a terrible <laughs> fun house." Just doing that shit. And then, like, I said it in the movie because I was, like, while we were watching, because I was frustrated. I'm like, you are literally Hercules. Just easily <laughs> yeah. overpower him. And then the guy's like... And it's a struggle. No, it's his, he's he's old school strong. You know, he's got that, that old school kind of tough to him so he can beat up the kid. It's those, like, curly sideburns. They just give him the strength that yeah. he is able to fend off anyone who's a threat to his family. No. That dude, that, like, olive-faced dude... Mm-hmm is like his liver he's got cirrhosis of the liver he's tired has a bad heart he doesn't win that fight in no circumstance does he win that fight and his only motivation for keeping his son alive and around because he gives that confession Mm -hmm. is i need someone to care for me in my old age (laughs) (laughs) like i'm sorry when you're like 90 years old this this thing that you're calling a human is going to like tuck (laughs) you in at night and make you soup are you kidding me do you know easily he gets frustrated and starts (laughs) screaming yeah, just like invest in an RRSP. I said tomato bisque. <laughs> yeah, he went ape shit a dozen times for no reason. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> does and, not do well under pressure. Uh. Uh-uh. And um another thing that this movie does um very well is it shows how terrible all adult men are. Mm. Every single one of them. That was the grossest carnival I've ever seen. Really it was gross. fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah, everyone who's like trying to like excite these teenagers who are having their sexy weekends, they're all just these gross, like sweaty faced, freaky, desperate looking men. Uh huh. In like their forties and fifties, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, come have fun. That's a broader thing too. That whole crowd in that tent. There's yeah. no other teenagers. These huh? these four teens are the only teens at the circus. <laughs> I think like it's all just. Just weirdo dudes in their 40s and 50s. Going for the girls, girls, girls shit. And like yeah. the guy running that is like talking up his sister. It's his sister that he's selling yeah. in front of everyone. Just, it was gross. And then there's that guy behind it who's like supposed to be like, I guess a bit of a, he's not paying money to get in. He's peeking from outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but immediately, yeah, he's looking in on the you know the the strip show or whatever, and then he starts hitting on the teenage girl. Immediately starts hitting on the teenage girl. You're right. Not not a great portrayal of men at the circus, Mm -mm. (laughs) and it just makes you feel gross. And it's just kind of makes you feel gross. Yeah, and it's just kind of a distraction. Like if you're gonna lean into that weird kind of grimy circus subculture it's weird to have that as a build-up for something where you just end up in the funhouse itself and not yeah. the focus of the movie isn't really anything else you know yes this is just a yeah. funhouse it's like uh, this is the notre dame and it has an evil bell ringer in mm-hmm. it like uh, of the carnival like, and even like i felt like at one point we were we must have been like 45 50 minutes into the movie and still nothing no threat had really happened yet yeah, like we spend so much time just exploring the world of the circus yeah. going to different animals going around to oh, like yeah. different competitions to win little toys and stuff like that shit should have been you should not spend you know 30 pages of the script to just hanging out at the circus if nothing yeah. is going to come of it and it's not even i wouldn't even call it setup it was just before it's things just meandering happened. yeah because yeah. it's it, way too long i'm like okay we're watching a horror movie right why is nothing happening yet yeah uh, exactly man and like it was it was all just like this is a weird thing you're supposed to feel is like they're at a place to go have a really good time, but every single thing that happens is just like causing very small disturbances, like just making them feel uncomfortable the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that's that's not the kind of weekend. Like the they even know. like try to do like a half attempt job at the start of writing her as a character who's like apprehensive about going to the circus, not really into buzz, and has her concerns and is concerned about her father and what he's thinking. Yeah. Then out of nowhere, just drop all that, lie to her dad, and say mm-hmm. that she's going to be somewhere else for the evening, hook up with Buzz, like just drops all of those things yeah. so why write that at the beginning if you're not going anywhere with it which is just the story for every aspect of this movie yeah uh, they they wrote the characters to fit the scene you yeah. know when they wrote the characters you yeah know? <laughs> i mean it's still even if a lot of these imp- uh, our elements were improved it would still just be like a more shallow slasher but you can you can do a better job with the slasher it 100%. doesn't need to be as brainless as the first friday the 13th or funhouse yeah this movie is definitely brainless mm-hmm. i i like it less than the first friday the 13th agreed yeah it's it's a disappointment and it's just very clearly a studio cash grab to yeah to capitalize on something that was successful prior and just a few times watching this i just think of how great the original is like the original halloween which inspired friday the 13th yeah. which inspired this like this is two degrees away from something that was fantastic yeah and i mean he like he's gonna follow this up with poltergeist like it's not that he's spe- like toby hooper specifically bad at his job no because no. of this like i do like some of the shots like at, as photos i think they're they're good screens and stills and stuff yeah that's and, one of my theories at the top is that this was just a job this was like that's what it seems a gig like, yeah if uh, toby hooper if you're trying to forget this and there's a google alert for you sorry well he's dead <laughs> sorry bud um a google alert from beyond the grave <laughs> you know ghost google ghost google anything else to complain about no let's just get the fuck to some instagram comments instagram, instagram comments. comments we got a bunch of short but sweet comments on our session nine post uh k clark 23 said goddamn such an underrated and under talked about movie mm-hmm. Vic T hugo said i like this movie one of my faves tanrin underscore art said amazing film yeah, and then we got uh, Franz Dan's. This was a great film. Uh, Raketza says, awesome film. And Fearins, Fearinis, uh says, big fan of this flick. 
So we have glowing comments just no, all no, around. Nothing negative. <laughs> nothing even lukewarm <laughs> on this post from you scaredy cats. But if you remember our episode, <laughs> we were lukewarm. <laughs> and I feel like it's a lot of these comments come in clearly before they even got to listen to the episode. Probably. So I think this might be, out of all of our episodes, where we stand the furthest apart from fans in general. I think we are going to find out on our Instagram post of the fun house. You when, think you think people are going to love that one? If people love that one, that'll be the one that like we hated the most <laughs> and people liked at all. If, I'd if, be so surprised. If they do love it, then it's for the reasons why I like movies like Joyride and the 13 Ghosts that came out in 2001 mm-hmm. because I was a teenager when I saw it and I have so much fond memories of seeing a scary movie in the theater, which was a novel right. thing at the time, being able to do that, turning 14. Here in yeah. Canada, we have it's... PG-14, not PG-13, <laughs> but turning 14 and being able to see it. So I have fond memories for that reason, not because those are actually good movies. That's hilarious that like the thing you like most about a movie has nothing to do with the movie. It's all just the place you were in life. Yeah, and just the generic things about the movie are novel, like mm. right, like the idea of a slasher and seeing people getting okay. killed, finding bodies. When you see those for the first time, and when you see them on the big screen with yeah. friends, and I believe in that point, I make that point yeah. all the time, but like <laughs> I just can't see it with this one. <laughs> hey, I don't get it, and we didn't really get it with session nine either. That didn't yeah. get us as excited as these six comments that we've just listed. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, this helps watching a movie like this helps me go back to session nine and go like. Ah, eh, at least you yeah. know I could sit oh and God. watch those conversations. At least you know, totally, dude. The, uh, you know, hell yeah, there's, those performances are great. There's so much more substance to substance to session nine. Yeah, like at least you have like a story. You have some tension. You do have like really good scary scenes. I mean, I love session nine compared to Funhouse. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The I wasn't. I guess maybe this is a one of those moments where yeah, if you saw it in that moment or you were a little bit younger, it, session nine, I really get. I get mm-hmm. people going like, this was great. Because remember, like that was my memory of it, um, going back to revisit it before the episode, is that I liked it. So I'm like, yeah, we can do session nine. Now that I remember what it's about, yeah. I, I remember it working on me. But, you know, that was a little bit misremembered. But yeah, and sometimes like I had the same thing with the ruins. Like I was very excited because yeah. I remember really liking it. And that one did hold up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. Maybe, I don't know if just my expectations were way too high for Session 9 because I did hear it hyped a lot. It's possible. And I was excited for a really good, creepy, scary movie. And it was just a little underwhelming based on what I was hoping for. Yeah, if I had maybe thought of it more as like a... Um, a slow burn psychological mystery Mm -hmm. that has a um, a pretty pretty hot ending that would be a better way to look at it than like this super creepy asylum movie because it's just not yeah and just maybe it's also too that since session nine we've had such high octane asylum movies Mm -hmm. i mean Grave Encounters, right? Dude. That yeah. thing's balls to the wall. So uh-huh. then to go from that back to Session 9 or see yep. Session 9 afterwards. And and same, like the same principle is like for possession-y, haunty-ish yeah. movies, we have Hereditary, so right on our heels too. So like it's hard, hard to watch something that's so... Um, I don't know, minimal and slow. Totally. Compared to something that is just dense and perfectly, disgustingly creepy. Absolutely. But I, I do I do like just the <laughs> that you do have these characters in Session 9 and their relationships and the tension that is brooding between them. Mm-hmm. Their yeah. own kind of external pressures to get this job done. Yeah, having sat on it for a little while, like I fondly remember some sequences mm-hmm. and like the overall feeling of the movie being like good. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, Scaredy Cats, we did it again. Thanks for listening to another weekly episode of the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre. I'm Chris Vandenberg. I'm David Stoneborough. And as fucking always, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns. How did Buzz get murdered? Chaos Reigns. I don't know, Scaredy Cats. Who could tell? See you next time.